Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hello there, guys. Welcome to this episode of Geek Thyself. And as that silence after me introducing myself has probably informed you, unfortunately, it is just me for this time. Uh, We, Heather and I, I should say, uh, we did plan to record this together, but unfortunately something has come up on her end, which means that she just can't be here, but she has given uh, me sort of my blessing to, or her blessing, sorry, to uh, get this out to you guys um, so, yeah, um, as we covered a couple weeks ago at this point, we disco- uh, discussed uh, Smokey the Bear and the current wildfires going on in the United States. Uh, all right, uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, as Heather said last week, or oh, not last week, uh, a couple weeks ago now, uh, the forest fires, or oh, sorry, wildfires uh, in the US, especially in California, can take quite a bit of time to, to die down. Um, and yeah, uh, the Calder Fire, which we talked about last week, is still ongoing, but its containment has gone up to 15%. I think, if I remember, it was at 9% when we talked about it last time. So it is going in the right direction, but it has still got quite a big way to go. Excuse me. So, uh, this episode was, um, not planned to be related to fires, um, the time, but we were looking for September uh, historical events, and there were a few that caught our interest, which we might uh, cover later on in in, in the month. But uh, the one that was sort of towards the first of the first of the month, or um, earlier in the month, it actually happened on I, I want to say the the third. Oh uh, uh, no, sorry, uh, the morning of the second. So this was a, a fairly early uh, September event, and we thought that it would be a nice sort of way into tying the two together. As they're they're, they're related to uncha- um, <clears throat> uncontrolled fires. So anyway, so yeah, the, this episode we're going to be talking about the Great Fire of London. Um, it's a little uh, um, I don't even know where I was going to go with that. <clears throat> yeah, Great Fire of London. It started in uh, central London, uh, and it went on from the Sunday, the early morning, uh, the 2nd of of September, through to Thursday, uh, the 6th, and this was in 1666, which, there's always something happening in in the UK in 66, like 1066, and any of those, that's my problem. Fire gutted uh, the medieval city of London inside the old Roman city wall, and it uh, threatened, but it didn't reach uh, Westminster uh, and today's West End. Uh, Charles II's uh, Prince of uh, Palace of Whitehall, and uh, most of the uh, suburban slums, but it did destroy thirteen thousand two hundred houses, eighty-seven parish churches, St Paul's Cathedral, uh, which was rebuilt, and uh, most of the buildings uh, of the city authorities, and it's estimated to have destroyed uh, the homes of seventy thousand people in the city, uh, seventy uh, and eight seventy thousand of the city's eighty thousand inhabitants. Uh, so that would work out to I think around eighty to eighty-five percent 
of the housing for uh, general London populace at the time. Okay, so as I sort of mentioned, it started very early in the morning of uh, uh, sort of September the 2nd. Uh, just, uh, just after midnight to about 1am is when they think it started. Uh, they also, uh, as, as we said, uh, started in Pudding Lane, and it is believed to have been started at the residence of Thomas Farina, who operated a bakery uh, in Pudding Lane. Um, the general consensus as to what happened is that the baking oven that he used to create his products hadn't been, uh, the fire in it hadn't been put out correctly, and had... Um, uh, sparked out uh, during the during the night uh, around midnight and had quickly begun to envelop the house. Uh, Verona was uh, woken up by the smoke coming under the door into his bedroom and downstairs in his bakery and putting lane the fire had started in his house uh, and had caught fire to everything else. Uh, Farina, his wife and daughter, uh, managed to escape uh, from an upstairs window, but their maid uh, refused to jump out of the window because she was scared of falling into the street. And unfortunately, she eventually died in the fire and became the first victim of the of of it. After the fire, he did rebuild his business in Pudding Lane, uh, and he uh, he was uh, he died in sixteen seventy, so uh, slightly over four years after the actual fire. Um, Okay, so that's the sort of background on where the fire started, uh, and uh, there there was a, the use of a major firefighting technique at the time called uh, the creation of fire breaks uh, by means of de demolition was uh, critically delayed due to the indecisive loss of the current Lord Mayor at the time, Sir Thomas Bloodworth, and by the time that uh, they had. Um, uh, decided to do it. Uh, by the time the uh, demolitions were ordered on the Sunday night, uh, it, the wind had already fanned into the bakery and created its own firestorm, which uh, basically means that uh, when a large fire and uh, has enough wind uh, around it, it can keep generating its own wind system from inside of it. It's generally sort of how it works with the fire being on the bottom and then uh, the updraft keeping it up. Into, into its own column uh, with the with the winds blowing it around so it keeps itself lit which uh, created quite a bit of a problem because uh, firestorms when they get up to that kind of high um, um, altitude uh, height I'm, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for there is uh, it was already uh, too much for the controlled demolition to stop the fires uh, the fire did push north uh, on Monday into the heart of the city and order in the streets uh, broke down as rumours arose of, of suspicious foreigners setting fires. Uh, the fears of the homeless focused on the French and Dutch, English enemies in the ongoing uh, Second Anglo-Dutch War. Uh, these, stand, uh, these substantial immigrant groups became victims of lynchings and street violence during this point. On Tuesday the fire spread over uh, uh, nearly the whole city, destroying uh, the St. Paul's Cathedral, like we talked about, and uh, leaping uh, the river fleet to threaten Charles II's uh, court of Wilhelm. Coordinated firefighter, firefighting efforts were uh, simultaneously getting uh, getting deployed. Uh, the battle to the fire were, uh, is considered to have uh, been won by two key factors. <clears throat> the strong east wind dropped, so the fire stopped spreading quite as fast, and the Tower of London Garrison used gunpowder to create effective fire breaks, and um, they halted the fire that way. But that only worked after 
after the hint after the winter's broken down after a couple of days. It's not super well known how many people died during this because it's difficult to put. No, it's difficult to tell uh, during the fires, uh, but it has thought to be relatively small, and there's only six verified deaths. Although saying that, uh, there are some historians that argue against that being that uh, poorer citizens' uh, deaths weren't recorded quite as uh, diligently, and with the temperatures of the fire, many people might have been cremated, leaving no visible remains. Uh, a melted piece of pottery on display in the Museum of London, found by the archaeologist in Pudding Lane, uh, where the fire started, shows that the temperature reached 1,250 degrees in uh, um, Celsius, or about 2,280 degrees in Fahrenheit, 1,520 degrees in Kelvin. So, uh, hot enough to get rid of remains, so um, it is difficult to, to know how many people were actually there. Um, as a sort of end to the sort of uh, generic rap, uh, the flood of uh, Charles II, uh, the current monarch, suggested that uh, flight from London settlement in elsewhere throughout the country was encouraged, uh, and he feared a London rebellion against the di uh, dispossessed refugees, and various schemes of rebuilding the city were proposed. But after the fire, London was reconstructed on the, essentially the same uh, medieval street plan that still exists within it today. So not much changed in the, the planning of the city, although um, I do believe that the houses were uh, built a little bit further apart, which will... Alright, so the next bit to cover is that in the 1660s, London was by far the biggest city in Britain with an estimated of about half a million people living there. And <clears throat> uh, John Evelyn uh, contrasting uh, London to Baroque the Magnificence of Paris in 1659 called it a wooden, northern, and inartificial congregation of houses. And uh, saying that he expressed uh, concerns about fire hazards, uh, hazards uh, posed by using wood and how close all the houses were built together. And uh, by in inartificial, he meant uh, it unplanned and makeshift, uh, the result of the organic growth uh, and unregulated urban sprawl. Uh, so basically her houses were just put up when they needed to be and there wasn't much forethought into keeping distance and using things that were perhaps less, um, less of a fire hazard. Which leads on to the next bit. The city was essentially medieval in its street plan, like I said, uh, and it was overcrowded uh, with narrow, winding cobble alleys, and it experienced several major fires before this fire, uh, the most recent being in 1632, so about 30 years before, and, uh, and building with wood and roofing with uh, thatch, thatch had been prohibited for centuries, but these sheet materials continued to be used because it was just easier to do. And these are homes for the poorer districts, so. The only major stone-built area was the wealthy uh, centre of the city, where the merchants and, and of the merchants and brokers stood on spacious lots surrounded by a ring of overcrowded poorer parishes, whose every inch of building space was used to accommodate the rapidly growing population. Uh, these parishes contained workplaces, many of which were fire hazards, foundries, smithies, and glaziers, which were technically illegal in the city but tolerated in practice. Uh, apologies if there's any. 
uh, audio breaking up there. I'm not really sure what happened. I don't think it was for that long, but it should be sorted. Just putting that note in there for me for later and for you. Uh, another reason why there was <clears throat> so many fire hazards uh, in the way that the UK built their houses, especially in London, is that the typical houses were many stories high, uh, some six or seven stories, uh, and timbered London ten uh, tenement houses uh, had jetties, which were projecting upper floors, which, so essentially the bottom floor, uh, uh, the ground floor, uh, first floor, whichever way you talk about it, is in line with uh, the street, but the actual upper levels of the house come up over the street. Um, so it meant that both sides of uh, the streets were getting closer to each other, and that if fires were to jump out, they could go from one side of the street to the other just as easy as they could burn through one one line of, of the street, which was really not quite great. As a contemporary observer put it, uh, with the, the gradual increases of size in the upper stories, the fire hazard was well perceived when the top jetties all but met uh, ac uh, across on the narrow alleys, uh, as uh, it does facilitate, facilitate a conflagration, uh, which is just uh, another word for a big fire, so does it also hinder the remedy, one, uh, wrote one observer. Uh, in 1661, Charles II issued a proclamation for beginning overhanging windows and jetties, but this was largely ignored by the local governments. Uh, Charles next uh, uh, sharp message in 1665 warned the risk of fire from the narrowness uh, from the narrows of the streets and authorised both imprisonment and uh, recalcitrant re builders and demolition of dangerous buildings but unfortunately this too had little impact and if it did then perhaps uh, the fire wouldn't have been nearly as bad as it would have been because this was just a year before it actually happened. Alright, also a concern for uh, the development of the Great Fire was uh, the riverfront. Uh, the River Thames offered water for firefighters and the chance to escape by boat, but the poorer districts along the riverfront had stores of cellars full of combustibles and increased the fire risk. risk uh, uh, so, like combustible things such as tar, pitch, hemp, rosin and flax were, were all laid up. And, uh, up. Uh, London was also full of black powder or gunpowder, um, especially along the riverfront. Much of it was left uh, in the homes of private citizens from the days of the English Civil War, and about five to six hundred tons of powder were stored in the Tower of London, which would have been really bad if the fire got there. Uh, the ship chandlers along the wharfs also held large stocks uh, stored in wooden barrels. Again, great for uh, fire risks. Londonbury was the only physical connection between the city and the south side of the River Thames, and was itself covered with houses. It had been noted that it was a death trap uh, in the fire of 1632, and by drawn uh, and by drawn on a Sunday, these houses were burning. Uh, by dawn on Sunday, sorry. There, Samuel Pepys observed uh, the conflagration of the Tower of London and recorded great concern for friends living on the bridge. Uh, 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 sorry. Uh, there were fears that the flames would cross on the bridge and threaten the borough of Southwark on the south bank, but the danger was averted by an open space between the buildings uh, on the bridge, which acted as a fire break. So, uh, luckily, it didn't go that far. Okay, so uh, another. Uh, uh, there's so many great fire risks here. Uh, in in London, there was an 18 foot or about five and a half meters tall Roman wall in, in, in closing the city and put fleeing homeless uh, at risk of uh, being shot into the inferno. Um, although saying that, um, 
Once the, uh, there were only eight gates in the wall to get out, but to be fair, during the first couple of days, few, very few people had any notion of uh, fleeing the city altogether. They would move what they could carry from their belongings and move to the uh, nearest, quote, safe house. And many of these sort of things would be parish churches or the precincts of St. Paul's Cathedral, only to have to move again later. Some of their belongings themselves four or five times in a single day, uh, but very few actually wanted to leave. Uh, the perception of a need to get beyond the walls took, uh, took root only late on the Monday, and uh, then there was a near panic scene in at the Gallo Gates as distraught refugees tried to get out with their bundles, carts, horses, and wagons. But at that point, too many people coming through, it's just going to cause a lot of congestion. So. Uh, uh, the crucial factor which frustrated firefighters the most effort, uh, was uh, the narrowness of the streets. Even under normal circumstances, the mix of carts, wagons, and pedestrians in the other side alleys was subject to tra frequent traffic jams and gridlocks. During the fire, uh, the passengers were additionally blocked by refugees camping in amongst their rescue buildings or escaping outwards away from the centre of uh, the destruction. And uh, the demolition teams and the fire engine crews struggled in vain to move towards the actual containment. Alright, so I've just had a quick look at the time. I think this is a good point for me to go into our mid-roll. Uh, it shouldn't be too long, but I will see you all on the other side of it. Alright, hi guys, welcome to this week's mid-roll. Uh, again, it's just me this time, so I'm going to be covering both our jobs this time. Uh, and I'll be starting with what Heaven the Way talks about, which is the fine folks over at World Anthem. Uh, if you don't know what World Anvil is, it is one of the most robust campaign management softwares and world building softwares uh, sites out there. It lets you flesh out your world, whether you're in a game master expanding the world for your players, or whether you're an author wanting to share more of your world with your readers. It's a great way uh, to link up characters, uh, relationships, places, maps. Uh, um, there's so many features for it, tons of features you can link characters, like I said, create timelines for your worlds, whatever it is, create characters, uh, um, what else, uh, there's so, so many features, especially if you're in like a campaign, uh, you can fill out your characters sort of uh, mental um, thoughts and uh, their achievements and really get yourself into the mind of those characters, whether you're writing them for a story, whether you're playing them as play, uh, player characters, or for NPCs if you're the game master. It's absolutely free to sign up. Ooh. It's absolutely free to sign up uh, and you can upgrade to your membership uh, to get access to even more features but I will say as somebody who's used the free feature for a long while before now it's absolutely amazing there's so much there you can uh, you will think about so many different things that um, you weren't going to expect to think about when you're creating your new characters it's a wonderful site it's over at worldanvil.com we absolutely recommend that you give it a look so, yeah, uh, second people we're going to be talking about, the people I normally cover, are the wonder, wonder, wonderful folks over at Castle Die Hard at dieharddice.com. Dieharddice.com, as the name was suggests, create wonderful dice, both metal dice and polymer dice. Uh, they study with their metal molds, which they created themselves. Their dice looks absolutely gorgeous. They've continue to innovate over the past few years. Uh, they've got their normal dice, their Spellwinder dice, which are two different colorways in their metal ones. They've got their multi-class dice we've mentioned, which splits so you can have multiple different looking G20s. It's absolutely amazing. They're now using that same mold pattern with uh, their newest releases of their polymer dice as well. They also have their um, unique designs for their Moonstone collection, which came out before then. 
<clears throat> they're always creating new products they're always doing exclusive stuff which is just for them they have the scroll of rolling if you're into really cool accessories uh, which can hold two sets of dice and rolls out to be a roll mat to keep your metal dice safe from both the table and from damage it uh, they have other accessories like they have uh, little metal meeple tokens if you play any other tabletop games <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, you can search by a wide variety of things on the site, like by color, by price, by class. If you're into for different uh, RPG games, uh, it's a wonderful place. Uh, you can use the code Nerdsmith-SEP, uh, and that gets you 10% off your next order. Uh, they have free shipping in the US, which is said before, and discounted international shipping for everywhere else. We deeply recommend that you check them out. At uh, so, if you want to, if you want to roll with the best, just go over to dieharddice.com. All right. So, with that bit out of the way, we're going to get back into the second bit of this, uh, and yeah, then we'll wrap up for the for the episode, guys. See you all in just a moment. Welcome back to the latter half of this episode. Uh, the next little bit we're going to cover is some rudimentary firefighting from the from 17th century or 1600s. Uh, like we've already said, that fires were really common, um, uh, especially with all the wood-built city and open fireplaces and uh, stores of combustibles. They happen quite a lot. There wasn't any sort of police or like fire brigade uh, to call, obviously, but there was the London's local militia known as the trained band. And they were available for general emergencies, at least in concept, or watching for fires. Uh, about a thousand watchmen or bellmen uh, who patrolled the streets at night, obviously not all at once. Several line community, mem uh, community procedures were in place for dealing with small fires, and they were usually effective, uh, and public-spirited citizens would be alerted to a dangerous house uh, fire by muffled uh, peals from church bells and will congregate to the fire. Uh, in these, um, every parish uh, had to hold equipment to uh, deal with fires, including long ladders, leather buckets, axes and fire hooks, which were used to pull down buildings uh, to deal with fires. They also sometimes used gunpowder to uh, create fire breaks, which we've already discussed. Um, the use of water... Uh, yeah, uh, the use of water, worst, uh, to, water to extinguish fire was also uh, frustrated. In principle, water was available from a system of elm pipes which supplied 30,000 houses uh, filled from the river at high tide. Uh, it was often possible to open a pipe near a building, building and connect it uh, to a hose to spray onto the fire or fill buckets. Uh, London also possessed advanced firefighting technology in the form of fire engines, not like vehicles. Uh, they were large. Um, pumps that had to be uh, moved around on uh, carts, some had wheels, others were just mounted on steel, a wheel or sled so they could be pulled around. Unfortunately they had to be brought quite a long way, tended to arrive a bit too late and had very limited reach uh, with no spouts, uh, with spouts but no delivery hoses. Uh, on this occasion it was an, an unknown number of fire engines were either wheeled or dragged through the streets and firefighters worked desperately to maneuver the engines to, uh, to, to the river to fill their tanks and uh, several of the engines fell into the Thames. The heat of the flames by then was too great for the remaining engines uh, to, to get within a useful distance to actually do anything to help with the fire, which is a shame, but it... Alright, so the next sort of thing we can go over is just like the, um, 
there's a, a breakdown of the daily sort of things that happened. We've already talked about how the fire started with uh, being in Thomas Farri uh, Thomas Farriner's uh, bakery. Um, uh, Lord Mayor Sir Thomas Bruce was summoned uh, to the things um, uh, after the neighbours tried to help douse the fire after an hour. Uh, the parish constables arrived and judged that the adjoining houses had better be demolished to prevent further spread. Uh, the householders protested and um, Bloodworth arrived. The flames were consuming the adjoining houses and creeping towards the water houses and flammable stores. Uh, the more experienced firemen were... Um, sort of arguing for demolition, but Bloodworth refused on the grounds that most of the premises were rented, and the owners and the owners couldn't be found to give permission. Um, Bloodworth um, apparently was more of a yes man than being um, the best leader, uh, and uh, he panicked in the face of a sudden emergency and said, when pressed, I made an oft-quoted uh, remark: uh, "A woman could." <clears throat> blank it out um, <laughs> and left. After the city had been destroyed, uh, Samuel Poops uh, looked back in the event and um, wrote in story on the 7th uh, people all over the world uh, over a cry out for the simplicity or the stupidity of uh, my Lord Mayor in general and more particularly in uh, this business of the fire, laying it all upon him. Um... Uh, Samuel Pepys did quite a lot of uh, the sort of documentation of everything. Uh, he recorded in his diary later on that night uh, that um, it had burnt down several churches and he estimated about 300 houses and had reached the river from by this point. The houses on the London Bridge were burning as well. Um, he after took a boat to inspect the destruction of around Pudding Lane uh, at close range and describes uh, a lamentable fire, everybody endeavouring to remove their goods and filling into the, filing into the river or bringing them into lighters that, uh, that lay off. Um, the fire sped uh, quickly uh, due to the higher wind, and by the mid-morning on Sunday, people abandoned attempts at uh, extinguishing the fire and fled. Uh, the moving human mass and their bundles and carts made the lanes impassable for firemen and carriages, and peeps took a coach back uh, into the city of Whitehall, uh, but they reached only St. Paul's Cathedral before he had uh, to get out and walk. Pedestrians with handcarts and goods were still on the move, uh, were still moving away from the fire, heavily weighed down. Uh, they feel parish church is not directly threatened with uh, furniture and valuables. Uh, by Sunday afternoon, 18 hours after the alarm was raised in Pudding Lane, the fire had become a raging firestorm uh, that created its own weather, like I said earlier. A tremendous uprush of hot air above the flames was driven by the chimney effect, uh, which is, like I said, how the fire sort of swirls around itself, whereas the construction is narrowed by the air current, such as uh, the constricted space between jetted buildings, uh, this left a vacuum at ground level, uh, the resulting strong inward winds fueled the flames. Uh, the, the fire pushed towards the city centre um, for the rest of the day. Uh, on the Monday, the fire was uh, principally expanding towards the north and the west uh, by dawn. Uh, the turbulence of the firestorm pushed the flames both further south and further north than the day before, uh, and the spread of the south was mostly halted by the river, so it didn't get much further than that. Uh, but uh, in the, the torched... Uh, but it had torched the houses of the London Bridge, uh, which had... Um, caught fire the day before and were, was threatening to cross the bridge and down to the borough of Southwark and the south bank of the river. Uh, Southwark was per, uh, preserved by pre-existing fire break uh, on the bridge, uh, a long gap between the buildings and had saved, um, which had saved the south side of the Thames and the fire of, um, 30, of 1632 and it also did again.
The fire spread uh, to the north and reached the financial heart of the city. The houses of the bankers of Lombard Street began to burn on Monday afternoon, prompting a rush to rescue their sacks of gold coins before they melted. Uh, several observers emphasised the despair and helplessness which seemed to seize Londoners on the second day, and the lack of efforts to save the wealthy, fashionable districts, uh, which were now menaced by the flames, such as the Royal Exchange, combined with uh, with uh, the boards and the shopping centres, and the output consumer goods uh, on the cheap side. Uh, the Royal Exchange caught fire in the late afternoon and was smoke and was a smoking shame within a few hours. Um, there was also at this point suspicion soon arose that uh, that the in the in the threatened city that the fire wasn't an accident. The swelling winds carried sparks and burning flakes long distance to lodge on thatched roofs uh, in the wooden gutters, causing seemingly unrelated house fires to break out. Far from the source, uh, given rise to rumors that fresh fires were being set on purpose, which wasn't necessarily the truth. Uh, foreigners were immediately suspected, like we said before, uh, because of the the war that very recently ended. Uh, sorry, um, ongoing, that hadn't ended just yet. Um, right. Monday marked the beginning of, of organised action as well, uh, even as order broke down in the streets, especially at the gates uh, towards um, um, uh, on the wall. Uh, the fire ranged unchecked. Bloodworth was responsible as Lord Mayor for coordinating the firefighting, but he had apparently left the city. His name is not mentioned in any contemporary contemporaneous accounts from other Monday's events. In the state, in the state of the emergency, the king put his brother James, Duke of York, in charge of operations, and James set up a command post around the perimeter of the fire. Uh, press ganging any men of the lower class family on the streets into teams of firemen. Uh, on Monday evening, uh, hopes were dashed uh, that the massive stone walls of Banyard Castle, bright fires, would stay, would stay the course of the flames and western and the western counterpart of the Tower of London. Uh, this historic royal pla- uh, palace was completely consumed and, and it burned the whole night. Alright, next thing to cover is the Tuesday of the 4th. Uh, this was the day with the most damage, um, which included um, uh, the Duke of York's command post at the Temple Bar, where Strand meets Fleet Street, was supposed to stop the fires westward advance uh, towards Whitehall. Uh, he hoped that the River Fleet would form a natural fire break. Uh, however, early on Tuesday morning, the flames jumped over the fleet and outflanked them, uh, driven uh, by an abatable uh, easterly gale and it forced them uh, to run for it. Uh, this is also the day where St Paul's Cathedral uh, went up in flames. Everyone thought that it would be a safe refuge with its, stick, with its thick stone walls and natural fire break in the form of empty uh, surrounding plaza, uh, but it had uh, been filled with goods, uh, including books and other flammable items, and it had also still been covered in wooden scaffolding because it was going uh, undergoing restoration, uh, being led by Christopher Wren at the time. Uh, the scaffold, uh, scaffolding caught fire later on Tuesday night, and within half an hour the lead roof was melting, uh, all the flammable things uh, within its crypt were burning, and uh, the, the cathedral was quickly a ruin. During the day, the flames began to move eastward uh, from the name of the hood of Pudding Lane Street uh, against the prevailing east wind, and uh, towards uh, Peep's home on Seething Lane and the Tower of London with its gunpowder stores. The garrison at the, the tower took matters into their own hands after waiting all day for a request to help from the, the official firemen who were too busy in the west. They created firebreaks by blowing up houses on, large, on a large scale in the vicinity, halting the events of the fire after that. 
And then this is the final day of the Wednesday. The wind dropped on the Tuesday evening and the fireworks created uh, by the garrison finally began to take effect. Uh, Peeps climbed the steeple of Barking Church, uh, where he viewed the destroyed city, uh, and he said, quote, the saddest sight of desolation I ever, uh, that I ever saw, end quote. Uh, there were still many separate fires still burning themselves out, but the actual fire was subsided. The following Sunday, rain fell over the city, extinguishing all the all the small fires still left. However, it took some time until the last traces were all put out. Coal was still boiling in cellars at least two months later. Um, all right. Uh, during the, the time when the fires were still going out, there was uh, still a lot of fears of foreign terrorists uh, going around, and... Uh, another big problem is that the food uh, dis um, dis production distribution had been disrupted so much to the point of basically nothing, uh, and Charles uh, feared a full-scale and a rebelling against the monarchy. Uh, he also announced that supplies of bread will be brought into the city every day and markets set up around the perimeter. Um, as we said uh, earlier, there were only a few deaths that were officially recorded, uh, but um, the, the likelihood is that it was a lot more than, than could be recorded as any sort of evidence would have been uh, destroyed. Uh, the material destructions has been computed at about 13,500 houses, 87 parish churches, 44 company halls, the Royal Exchange, the Custom House, St Paul's Cathedral, the Bridewell Palace and, uh, and other city prisons, and the General Letter Office and three western city gates. Uh, Ludgate, uh, Newgate, and, Alz and Aldersgate. Uh, the monetary value of the loss first estimated at around a hundred million, in the the currency of the time was later reduced to an uncertain ten million, equivalent to one point seven billion uh, um, uh, in twenty nineteen, and um, yeah. Okay, and then the aftermath. So in the aftermath, uh, there was an urge to identify scapegoats uh, for how the fire would have started. Uh, and there was a French wa uh, watchmaker named Robert Hubert who claimed to be an agent of the Pope and started the Great Fire in Westminster. He later changed it to say that he started it in Pudding Lane. Uh, Hubert was convicted despite there some misgivings about his fitness to actually plead to the case. And he was hung, hanged sorry, uh, at Tyburn on the 28th of September. Uh, unfortunately, after his death, it became known that he had actually been on board a ship in the North Sea, and he hadn't arrived in London until two days after the fire started. Allegations that Catholics had started the fireworks uh, exploited as powerful political propaganda, oh, that's a mouthful, by opponents of pro-Catholic Charles II's court, uh, mostly during the Popelish plot, uh, before the exclusion crisis later in his reign. Uh, right. Uh, Charles II encouraged the homeless to move away from London and settle elsewhere, immediately issuing a publication that all cities and towns, whoever shall, without any contradiction, receive and said distressed persons, permit them for uh, the free exercise of their manual trades. A special fire court was set up uh, in the February of 1667 uh, to, to September uh, 70, uh, of 1672 to deal with the disputes between tenants and landlords uh, and to decide who should rebuild based on the ability to pay. Cases were heard and a verdict was given usually within the day. Without the fire court, lengthy legal uh, wrangles would have seriously delayed the rebuilding of the city. Uh, radical rebuilding schemes uh, poured uh, in the, the good city and uh, were encouraged by Charles. Uh, if it had been rebuilt under some of these plans, London would have uh, bridal paradise in Baroque uh, Magnificent. 
uh, apart from uh, when an, uh, Evelyn, it is done that Robin Hook, uh, Valentine Knight and Richard Newcourt also proposed uh, building plans. The Crown and the city authorities uh, attempted to negotiate conversation for a large-scale remodeling uh, that these plans entailed, but that unrealistic idea had to be abandoned. Instead, much of the old street plan was recreated into the new city with improvements in hygiene and fire safety, wider streets, uh, open uh, and accessible uh, wharves uh, along the uh, length of the Thames, with no houses obstructing clear access to the river, and most importantly, buildings constructed of brick, uh, brick and stone and no longer wood. The new buildings were created on their predecessor sites, uh, perhaps uh, the most famous St Paul's Cathedral and its smaller cousins, uh, Christopher Wren's uh, 50 new churches. So, uh, on Charles's initiative, a, mon a monument of the Great Fire of London was erected near Pudding Lane, and it was designed by Christopher Wren and Robert Hooke, and it stands 61 metres or 200 feet high. Uh, in 1668, accusations against the Catholics were added to the inscription on the monument, which read, in part, Popish frenzy uh, which, which wrought such horrors is not yet quenched. The inscription remained and until after the passage of the Roman Catholic Relief in 1829, and it was removed in 1830. Uh, the Great Plague, Equinoid of 1665, is believed to have killed a sixth of London and its inhabitants, or 80,000 people, and it is uh, sometimes suggested that the fire saved lives in the long run by burning down such, so much of the unsanitary housing with their rats and the fleas, which transmitted the plague. Uh, as plague epidemics did not uh, reoccur in London after the fire, historians dis disagree as to whether the fire played a part in preventing subsequent major outbreaks, but the Museum of London uh, website claims that there was a connection, while historian Roy Porter points out that the fire uh, left uh, the storm sub uh, suburb untouched. So there's a bit of uh, debate there. But So yeah, that's uh, everything that's what happened in the aftermath. There's obviously a lot more... Uh, to go into uh, if you if you want to look at it through all yourself um, I hope you enjoyed me rambling about this um, we thought both Heather and I thought it was an interesting topic it's just a shame she couldn't be here um, she should be back next time with me um, which like I said we've got a couple of the topics that are September uh, historical related so we might cover some of those uh, but until then we hope both of you uh, we both hope that you are doing well keeping safe and um, as Heather said a, couple, uh, um, a little bit ago, um, don't forget to geek yourself, guys. We will talk to you all very soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org and please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. <laughs> <laughs>